Dr. Malone, great having you back on Crossroads. Thanks a lot, Josh. Uh, you've really been burning up the airwaves with your investigative work, and, and it's a joy to see. Well, and, and this ties into something I wanted to talk to you about, which is we're in a very weird space right now in terms of information. There's a ridiculous amount of censorship. It seems like, honestly, it feels like I can't trust the establishment media. They're firing people. A lot of them are going out of business because people just don't believe them anymore. And the way a lot of news outlets have tried to consolidate their powers by going after you know, independent journalists, urging YouTube to kick people off, Twitter to kick people off. And the, the movement of citizen journalism has been stifled because you have this establishment kind of fighting for their legitimacy. And in a weird way, there's like a battle for the hearts and minds of the American public and maybe the world public. And I, I think you and I uh, kind of caught in the middle of a lot of this, especially with the type of, type of work we've been doing. Maybe we, we've seen a different side of it, but in your eyes, I know you have this new show out, Fallout, and you're talking about, you know, fifth generation warfare as it relates to this. How does this type of information war relate to fifth generation warfare? So fifth gen warfare is just one term. Another term that's quite popular now that's being used in NATO publications as well as uh, Chinese Communist Party publications and People's Liberation Army publications is cognitive warfare. Yeah. The difference being generally that fifth gen warfare is a broader uh, umbrella concept. In some ways, cognitive warfare fits within it. Cognitive warfare targets your subconscious. And generally, the fifth generation warfare technologies that are used are more targeting your conscious mind uh, in inserting thoughts and controlling information that you might have access to to form your own opinions. And uh, as you point out, uh, certainly uh, the LA Times appears to be on the throes of, on the, on the brink of yet another uh, default uh, or bankruptcy. Uh, that would be the second one. And meantime, uh, Epic Times continues to thrive with its nonprofit model and its focus on really old school journalism. A lot of people are starting to wake up and recognize that Epic Times is truly you know, committed to uh, a remarkably centrist. Uh, you know, the accusations that have been weaponized on Wikipedia and so many other channels is that Epic Times is a, a far right a bunch of uh, fanatics uh, associated with Falun Gong. And uh, that's about as far from the truth of the modern Epic Times as could possibly be. And you're a uh, exemplar of that. And I'm reminded again of Cindy Drucker, my, my colleague, uh, Yanya Kellick's wife, uh, having confronted with Epic Times the problem of recruiting uh, journalists that are committed to what were old school fundamental journalistic principles and uh, the Epic Times together with Cindy deciding that they had to create their own journalism school, which she's now launched in kind of a superhuman effort. Uh, but uh, that's, that's the media landscape right now is that what we clearly have is uh, the use of media corporate media channeled through things like the Trusted News Initiative, which is something that I was way out front in publicizing, to basically continue to maintain a, uh, a media uh, monopoly 
that is structured around old school media. And by the way, in their own train publications, they perceive Joe Rogan as embodying the greatest threat that exists to their business model. But it's clear their business model is, is failing. And uh, CNN is another exemplar. The Washington Post just had a $100 million loss, I think, and a number of layoffs. And then uh, along comes nonprofit Epic Times plugging away day to day, just trying to put out uh, the truth and uh, rising currently to number four. And I fully expect during this year, we're going to see it bump up yet another step. Uh, so it's, it's my honor, really, and privilege to uh, have the opportunity to work with Yanya Kellick, who I respect deeply in his American Thought Leaders uh, series, I think has been really transformational in the intellectual landscape. Yeah. Uh, and uh, to work uh, on this new series, Fallout, in which we're going to be talking not just, a, you know, the first episode is more focused on these new forms of cognitive warfare or, or information war, which is really propaganda, which in many ways is just marketing, except the difference is that in this kind of technology space, in this battle space, the objective is that the people that are at the receiving end of these messages and these efforts to control what they're thinking, what they're seeing, what they're feeling, ideally have no awareness of who's doing it. When you watch an advertisement or Lucky Charms or uh, um, a dish soap, you know who's, who's pushing that propaganda on you. You know who's doing that marketing. But in the case of this modern form of warfare, information warfare, that the CCP is so ex expert at, uh, the goal is that you should not know as the person receiving the information subject to the manipulation and control. You should not be aware of who's doing it to you. And they're very effective in doing that. But what's happened is through the Trusted News Initiative managed by the BBC, uh, what you've had is a consolidation of all corporate media into what's functionally a trade union. And uh, they have rules there that basically uh, you're not, if you're one of these corporate media outlets, say New York Times, you need to toe the line and put forth the messaging and accepted narrative that is being uh, propagated into your space, often by intelligence community and Western governments uh, that's built around the logic of mis, dis, and malinformation. Three things defined by Secretary Mayorkas as domestic terrorism. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, the Trusted News Initiative is the gatekeeper for what the allowed narrative is to be. And under their rules, an individual uh, uh, outlet, uh, we could call it corporate media or mainstream media outlet that's a member of the TNI, is allowed to publish a story uh, that is outside of the accepted narrative, but then other members are not allowed to republish it, which you recall back in the day was fairly common. Wow. And so those are the rules of the road. Is, is you are given a little bit of freedom. But having spent some time in the UK, including a recording with Epic TV in, in uh, London uh, and Great Britain News, GB News, what has stunned me 
as well as in Canada, is the existence of these uh, monitoring boards that are quasi-governmental organizations that have the authority to shut down your news outlet for you to, to take your license to broadcast or publish if you uh, digress from uh, allowed narratives. So whether or not it's Operation Mockingbird, this uh, program that CIA has run virtually since its inception in the 50s, uh, whether it's the CIA directly hiring and employing journalists and uh, editors, or it's these various indirect mechanisms such as CISA manages for the federal government. Uh, we, we absolutely have an environment in which all information is being very actively controlled uh, to the end that only what's allowed is the information that these very large transnational organizations, uh, corporations, and uh, um, governments uh, wish to have their populace uh, receive. You know, I was I was reading, of course, a lot of the history of propaganda and disinformation. As you mentioned, a lot of it was kind of adopted from, pro, you know, marketing. We go back to propaganda yeah. by Bernays. It's basically a Bernays. Guy. Exactly. I thought you were going to cite that. Yeah. yeah. Did you read Bernays? I did. Propaganda. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's really quite outdated yeah. and grossly naive. It assumes the government would never use uh, these marketing and propaganda techniques which, against which their own citizens. Which they did almost immediately. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so this is, this is one of my key arguments, Josh, is that this technology that was designed for offshore combat, okay, this, is, this tech has been developed uh, to battle uh, these uh, guerrilla campaigns that we keep losing, the United States military and NATO yeah. keep losing, yeah. uh, that combine so effectively propaganda with uh, kinetic warfare. And so it was believed that we needed to develop much more advanced technology, particularly using the internet and social media, uh, to counter the effects of and the success of those organizations. And what's been done, and I've had multiple uh, retired colonels, etc., that have been involved in the Cywar uh, units, including in Fort Bragg, come up to me after I give my usual talks on on Cywar, and say, "Robert, you've got it exactly right, and we're mad as hell about it because, as you say, what's happened is these governments, including the United States government and notably the British government, have decided to deploy these technologies against their own citizenry." And I argue that when that happens, the concept of individual sovereignty becomes completely obsolete. The, the issue of voting integrity becomes a sideshow when everything that you encounter in terms of information is manipulated to control what you're thinking and feeling and believing and being manipulated by your government and whatever the ruling party is of the moment. Yeah. You know, we, we've seen something really interesting, though, which is... I would argue we, we've undergone the largest psychological operation probably ever carried out in history, and it didn't it Agreed. didn't work. I don't think, I, I, and it, it, it's uh. it's maybe on some people, but you know, I mean, if, if you go back and read the Rape of the Mind, right, Merlot, 
Yes. One, one thing yep. that surprised me, you know, of course, he's documenting how the North Koreans and Chinese were brainwashing political, or sorry, uh, POWs, prisoners of war in the Korean War. One thing that shocked me is he said that nobody could withstand it. There, there was nobody who could come out of that process without having been altered in some way. It had a 100% success rate in terms of brainwashing. And I would look to you know, COVID-19 and the World Health Organization infodemic, the information pandemic, as kind of a global model where this, this system was rolled out everywhere. And yeah, again, we saw mixed opinions on COVID-19. You and I were at the forefront of maybe the other side of, of challenging the official narratives, but a, 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 lot, a lot of people were not deceived by it. And, and I'm curious why you think that is, because my, my, my viewpoint right now is that the establishment is shocked that you know, they could launch, I'm taking Trump as an example, they can launch everything against him. They can prosecute him, roll out every narrative, accuse him of everything you can imagine, and he still wins the Republican primary, at least so far. Why do you think this is? Like, what does this say about these information techniques versus what science has documented in, again, 100% success rates? Uh, right. And remember, there's something like 3,000 publications, academic-sponsored publications on how to, quote, overcome vaccine hesitancy. So these are all, uh, in many cases, clinical studies wow. uh, having to do with implementing uh, psyops and propaganda in order to achieve an objective. And this is why we were all bombarded with safe and effective and the messaging about uh, protecting grandmother and protecting the vulnerable and uh, your obligation morally, etc. These are all uh, basically field tested messaging techniques that, as you say, were demonstrated to be effective. Aldous Huxley uh, was, a, of course, a great student of all this also. We spoke about Merlu. Uh, we, we haven't mentioned uh, Matthias Desmet uh, and uh, many of the other key thinkers in this, including Sigmund Freud. But uh, um, the, uh, Huxley points out in a 1960s interview that I find fascinating, as have many others historically, that the population kind of breaks down into 20% that are highly susceptible to both propaganda and hypnosis. 20% that are highly, highly resistant, and it's still unclear what makes them resistant. There seems to be multiple factor, uh, factors in, in that resistance to that kind of psychological manipulation. And then 60% that kind of goes whichever way the wind blows, and they're relatively susceptible to this. And so I caution, at least to myself, I don't mean to uh, contradict you, but it's it's so easy to listen to the chatter from the 20% that are in your box uh, and, and overlook uh, the 60% that I call, and many others call the persuadable middle, and the 20% that are, you know, rabid passionately with the narrative. Yeah. And uh, this, this has been the case uh, historically throughout time. And uh, Huxley makes the case, very strangely, that uh, this is probably a good thing in terms of governments. If the entire population was resistant to every message that a government put out, it would make it almost impossible to govern. Uh, and so he makes the case that it's actually a good thing 
that 20% of the population is susceptible to propaganda. I, I gently disagree. Uh, I, I, I'm in the uh, truth speech camp, uh, again, quoting from the Jewish estimate, that uh, what, what we're doing here is we are destroying bedrock aspects of society, of what allows us to uh, have a cohesive society by normalizing basically lying, uh, misinformation, disinformation. You know, the, the sin, of course, is, as I mentioned, uh, Secretary Mayorkas claiming that mis, dis, and malinformation are uh, domestic terrorism. But as we look back, and I'm sure you would concur, as we look back through time during the COVID crisis, we can clearly see that most of the mis, dis, and malinformation actually came from the WHO uh, various uh, non-governmental organizations and our own governments. Uh, they were they were propagating falsehoods on a daily basis and reinforcing them with tools like neuro-linguistic programming. That's what the repeated mantra of safe and effective, safe and effective. You still find that authors of academic publications, in order to get their work placed in a more high-profile journal, they have to use those two words. These vaccines are safe and effective. Still. Have still. to do it. Yeah, still. Wow, that bizarre stuff. You know, you and I were talking briefly, a little off camera, about this idea that maybe people have lived to uh, and, and encourage people to think for themselves, not to accept any one person as a guru. This whole cult of personality, frankly, frightens me. And I see it again and again. Uh, and, and I see the development, uh, another essay I wrote recently about uh, um, uh, who I coughed once and then a passenger adjacent to me got a shocked look on their face and uh, suddenly, and then, you know, motioned. And uh, suddenly uh, he said, you had to put a mask on. So I put on a cloth mask. Uh, no, that wasn't good enough. Uh, so uh, I had to accept the... Uh, face nozzle uh, type that he had as a paper mask uh, and where, let's say, persuadable middle of the non-committed. The, the average person that's just trying to, you know, take care of their kids and get their job done and, and pay their bills, they don't want to hear about some uh, theory of uh, whether or not the virus exists or whether or not there was a pandemic and the kind of purity test of, you don't believe what I'm crazy positions. Uh, and, and I think that, you know, bringing it back home, we're hoping that with fallout, we can help people to see underneath the narrative, to see beyond it, uh, to uh, allow them to question and uh, hear alternative explanations for what's really driving the news and also give them a break from time to time. So that's how why we have some of these other more lighthearted topics like homesteading and, uh, you know, whatever the craziest uh, news headline is, uh, things to just kind of lighten it up a little bit. Uh, because I, I find that people, as you say, they're so bombarded with all of this uh, negative messaging and fear that uh, they shut down. Yeah. Well, you have me thinking too that these methods only really work if the people who are willing to speak the truth go silent. 
You know, I, I think as long as you have people out there dedicated to the truth and making an effort to, to finding real truth, uh, it's going to be hard for these methods to work. And so, you know, cheers to you. <laughs> well, and, and you. Endeavor. <laughs> but it's, but it's, our, uh, it's our belief system. That, yeah. I mean, we couldn't do what we're doing. Uh, you know, I'm not doing this for money. Uh, I, I, here's a secret. Epic Times is not going to make me rich. Uh, I'm doing it because I, I think Jan is just a great friend. Every time we have dinner or any meeting, we really get into great conversations. I learn so much from him and he seems to enjoy talking with me. And uh, I, I'm trying to do good. I'm at a certain stage in my life, a little further beyond than you are, uh, where I've, I've had the, you know, check the box achievements to fill up the CV. I don't need that anymore. Uh, I'm doing this in part because I'm just wired as an educator. Yeah. And my mother was a teacher, a conservative teacher who left the teachings, public teaching system because of the unions coming in uh, in, the, in the late 50s and early 60s. So it's kind of in my blood. And uh, it's what mentoring and teaching gives me pleasure. And I can help somebody to better understand the nature of the world and what's being done to us. Uh, then I feel like, well, I've, I've made a contribution to the world and that's good enough. Well, well Dr. Malone, you have a new show, Fallout on Epic TV. Uh, when can people see it and where do they go? So it's uh, the first episode drops 9 p.m. this Friday is our first one. We've got a couple more that are already in the can and edited. And then uh, we're gonna shoot another one on the 10th of February and just kind of keep going as a, a weekly half hour. So thanks a lot for having me on and let me talk about it a little bit. And I hope that people uh, enjoy it as much as uh, Jan and I and the crew are enjoying uh, making it. Great. Well, always a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much. Thanks, Josh.